Welcome to Gold Diggers, a podcast on strategy, goals, and growth. We'll cover all sorts of topics on OKRs, KPIs, strategy, and everything in between. Gold Diggers is brought to you by Purdue, a powerful gold management platform that helps organizations bridge the strategy execution gap. Use Purdue to increase transparency, alignment, and accountability, and simply head over to purdue.com to sign up for your very own free account. That is P-E-R-D-O-O.com. Welcome to another episode of Gold Diggers. I'm Henrik, founder and CEO of Purdue. Joining me today is Marco Alberti, an OKR coach and founder of Murakami. Marco, could you tell us a bit about yourself and uh, your journey with OKR so far? Yes, so thank you for the invitation and the possibility to be here. Yes, as you mentioned, I'm Marco. I'm the founder of Murakami and into the OKR experience since more than eight years now. So focusing on finding out what, what is the right way to, to manage or steer a company. So um, I was in this role of a vice president in the company and uh, the company ran, uh, ran out of cash. So we have to find a, a solution eight years ago for a re really serious problem. And I Googled a little bit and I talked to other founders and found out, okay, there is this thing called OKRs. And the only thing I, I, I could find was the, the Google video obviously. And yeah. <laughs> um, then we watched it in a team and we tried it out. And after 10 months, we had like a turnaround from, let's say, 1.5 million losses to 7 million in profits and from a team with total stress to a team with um, yeah, total new ideas, a different culture. The CEO was freed from all the discussions the whole days long. And this was really interesting to see what happens in a company when you when you change a leadership principle and a, a leadership framework to OKRs. And there were so many questions still unanswered. So we tried to answer them. And I, I wrote a little bit about it in our blog and Murakami blog. And then other companies um, texted us and say, hey, you did it. Can you teach us how, to, how we can do it in our company? And this was the, the start of a, a journey. And now we try to find out how to steer a company better. So this is still, still part yeah. of the journey today. Yeah, eight years ago, you must have been one of the first OKR consultants out there, right? At, at least in Germany, I would say yes. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the video that you refer to, I mean, I think you mean that Google Ventures video where they introduced the concept yes. of OKR to their portfolio companies. Yeah. Yeah. And you referred to OKR being a leadership framework. Could you zoom in on the, could you explain why you, why you think it is a leadership framework? Yes. First of all, a, a short disclaimer. When I talk about OKRs, I talk about our version of it. Like it's an interpretation. It's a style like yoga. You have different styles. And I think that's the same in OKR. So we, we defined our framework, the Murakami framework as a, as a holistic framework. So it's not for us like, you have to to steer the goals throughout the company. It's not like I know what's right. And then we have to focus on it and say, okay, we, we have to manage it through the company, make it transparent and make it happen. For us, it's more like a, a holistic framework to bring the right culture, the right structure and the risk mitigation process in it to find out what are the right goals 
based on what is the vision and what is the mission, what are the strategies. And therefore, we have a process developed that helps you to find out the right goals instead of managing your goals, which you already have. So I think this is the best explanation why we think it's a, it's a holistic management and leadership framework and not only a tool to steer the company based on your given goals. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. This is also what we do with, with Purdue, right? We always start with the mission and vision of a company, uh, let people set up their strategy, KPIs, and OKRs come at the very end of that, uh, that process from, from our perspective. Um, talking about implementing OKRs, right, in, in, in organizations, um, especially nowadays, right, if you read the newspaper and all the uncertainty going on, um, are actually organizations are faced with, with continual, like, internal and external instability, right? It, is OKR a tool that can be used to, to overcome all these uncertain factors? When you ask me, totally yes, because I think it's, it's the heart of it. It's for steering in uncertainty. It's not steering in certainty when you have a given process, when you already know I have to do X and then that is the, is the result. When you're, when you're facing uncertainty, you need an agile approach. It's like sensing and responding to, to try out and find out what we can learn and then reassess and then make new decisions and, and try out the different ways to a given goal. So we, we think that especially in times of uncertainty, OKR is really the tool to go to because you have a risk mitigation tool at hand. So um, you don't have the, the bottom up or the top down approach. And in, all, in our point of view, you have both at the same time. So different perspective, um, answering the question, what should we do next? And when the different perspectives, let's say the different um, departments of the company um, come to the same conclusion, then the possibility is high that you have the right goal you have to follow on. And therefore, we think it's, a, it's the right tool to steer in uncertainty when you do it up and down the same time. But the answer to that question, right, like what, what are we doing next? Um, like the, the OKR framework kind of like forces you to then write that up as an objective with, with key results, right? But the answer yeah. to the question, what should we do next, could also be something more neutral, like, like, like what you would call a goal, perhaps. Right? Like how, what, what's, what's your take on that? Because like, um, the OKR framework and the value of answering mm -hmm. these questions and reflecting at certain point in times, yeah, I totally, totally agree to yeah. that, of course. But why, do we always, why, why should we always write this up as an objective with key results? Um, I think when you, when you see, see the, the whole asset allocation as the, the question at hand, so where do I put my resources on? You cannot make the asset allocation based on a pure headline. You have to say, okay, I want this goal and this goal is specific. And therefore, I think this should be the goal. And then this should be the output and the outcome of this goal. And on the other side, I have to think about the resources I have to put in. And then you have a lot of options on the table. So we put all the options on the table and then you have all these containers called OKRs with a, a specific goal, a result you get, and an idea of how much um, resource, resources do you have to put in. And then you can make the asset allocation based on 
where is the price low and where is the outcome high and then I can allocate all my my objectives which is not possible when, when I only have a, a headline like a, a, a normal goal-ish headline then you cannot say okay this okay. is the given fact this is the input this is the output and then I cannot make the trade-off decision because in in the balancing of the portfolio it's always about the trade-off which goal I choose and which I don't choose and then you can make the, uh, the asset allocation decision. So I would say this is the, the, the main benefit of it. Okay, okay, interesting. The, um, uh, going back to the, to the, the topic of uncertainty, um, like we can all mm -hmm. see and, and, and read what, what's going on in the world right now. For those organizations that decide that because of these uncertain factors and the benefits that OKR bring, um, they decide to implement OKRs right now. Like, are there additional mm -hmm. challenges that they need to overcome doing it in uh, in these turbulent times, or should they better wait, for example, until there is more certainty again and, and things have calmed down a bit? Yeah, mm, I don't think that says uh, it's a good idea to wait when you face uncertainty, because when when you face uncertainty, you need something, you need a process to give. Uh, your 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 team a little bit of stability and when the process is stable then the uncertainty outside of your company isn't isn't so scary anymore because you have a little bit, bit stability based on the stable processes so this is a real argument for doing it now versus later with the implementation of OKRs for most of the companies we see or the, the like bigger or older companies, it's, it's like a mindset shift. It's like we have to accept that we cannot plan the reality. The reality um, doesn't make sense of what we plan. So we have to, to face the uncertainty and face the reality that there is um, bad luck and good luck into the results. Yeah. And we, we cannot face it, even if yeah. we want to face it, uh, for, uh, force it, um, based on our plans. So we have to, to sense and respond. And this is, this is the biggest change when you do it in uncertain times. You have to face the uncertainty and accept the, the uncertainty that that's not the question of your plan or it's, it's not a question of execution alone. It's good luck and bad luck and the right, the right tests and the right culture and the right people, the right time. And then the result is the result. And yet you have to accept it. And this is hard for like a traditional management mindset. We, we see that some organizations, despite everything you just shared with us, um, they, they do abandon OKR in times of crisis, maybe, maybe consciously or yeah. sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously, like they, they get so busy putting out fires that OKRs just fall by the wayside, yeah. like they forget to update them, they forget to close them and set new OKRs. What, why do you think that is? Because that, that, that sort of behavior that we see with some organization in the market totally contradicts yeah. all the benefits that you just highlighted for us. I think it's it's kind of natural when you have to firefight all the time, then it's really hard to ignore a fire. So when you have to ignore a fire to make um, this portfolio allocation, then it's really hard to ignore it while it's burning. But you have to be aware that when you don't ignore the little fires, then you have to um, yeah, to pay the bills when you only be reactive in your company. So 
you have to invest in and reduce the speed for a moment, not the not the whole quarter. I'm not saying, okay, reduce the, the, the speed for the whole quarter, but for a few days and say, okay, let the fires burn for two days and say, what are our options? What can we do? What can we not do? And what are the best um, investments of our resources? And then we can actively decide which fire we want to face and we want to fight and which fire yeah, we let burn because if you have too many fires, then you cannot fight all of them. And this is this is the, the conscious decision where to put your resources energy um, against and where not and paying the price you have to pay because there is always a price you have to pay. And when you reduce the speed for two days and say, oh, Let's think for a moment. Let's let's see what our options are. Let's bet on the best options and then fight with all the power we have, the right fights. Then I think you pay a, a lower price in comparison to firefighting mode all over the place. And and this is this is the argument why you shouldn't um, stop doing OKRs during a crisis, <laughs> but it's, yeah. to it's totally normal that people are reacting like this. We see it as well. But yeah, but you, as you said at the start uh, of your answer is that it's very hard to ignore a fire, right? Even if it's a little fire, it sort of attracts your attention. Yeah. So uh, you gave us one clue. You said that uh, try to set like maybe one or two days aside to just evaluate what are our options, what should we do, what should we not do. That can be very helpful, of course, like narrowing the scope to one to two days for that. But what else, what, are, what else can organizations do to prevent these important exercises that OKR bring to a company, these important thought exercises to, 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 continue, actually, to continue doing it? Yeah. I think one of the most valuable things is here to to realize that a question of mindset, because you have to be aware that you pay a price anyway. So it's it's not the optimization priceless versus we have to we have to pay a price when the fire burns down the house. So we pay a price in any way we have to make. Uh, we made a decision. So this is a, a, a this is a real. A real good basis for the um, the workshop discussions when we know oh it's not like we achieve all our goals or none of them we have to pay a price anyway when we focus on this set yeah. of options called OKRs then we cannot do all the other options and all the other options are so much so much more then then they what what's what's in possible in one quarter so you're always paying the price for not doing all the other options so i think this is this is the most important mindset when you when you make decisions in a management context that you know i decide for one goal and this is at the same time a decision against 1000 others and this is all uh, related with paying a price but hopefully the sum of it is it's more like on our side when we decide the five right, uh, the best goals um, within our OKR framework for this quarter. And then we, we, we can watch all the little fires burn, but not destroying the whole company when you when you're in firefighting mode. Yeah, but the, uh, even when you set OKRs, like uh, from, from my experience, lots of organizations are still 
ending up with way too many OKRs, right? And and uh, yeah. uh, like you, you're then sort of avoiding the hard decision, right? Uh, about like what totally what, what not to do, um, and is, yeah, maybe that's somehow related to it, right? Like if if you come up with too many <laughs> totally. OKRs and you think you can do everything, then you still end up in the same situation. So are, are there any the interesting part is. Yeah, go ahead. I, to I totally agree with you. And and most of the companies, especially when you when you start using OKRs or when you're in firefighting mode, you always say, okay, this we have to do this and we have to do this. And my yeah. question is always why? You have to say who and what's what's in it when you don't do it. So what what's the price you have to pay? And, and then three months later, you see, okay, you have 10 OKRs and then you realize, oh, we made three out of 10 or four out of 10. So the reality doesn't change. If, even if you say, okay, I must do all of them. But when you, can, when you see in the reflections, the second and the third quarter, ah, okay, it's too much. We cannot achieve all of them. Then, it, then the reflex is, okay, let's try less and less and less. And then we come to a, to a realistic view. And this is the even better decision-making process because it's, it's more realistic when you, when you say, okay, um, 10, then the rest is based out of luck because we don't know which three out of 10 we made at the end of the quarter. When you say, okay, I focus on three and then the, these three objectives really yeah checking the boxes, then you have a cons conscious way to achieving your goals. And this is even better than, than uh, yeah, letting good luck and bad luck rule your game. Is, is this a question that you recommend people to ask when they to ask themselves when they set an OKR? Is this, what's the price of not picking up this objective? Oh, most of the times I use these kind of question when someone says, this is given, so we have to do this, or we we must because our investor wants it, or the share the shareholders, or the mothership says we have to do it, or we agreed on a conference to do it, or whatsoever. Then then the question is interesting to say says who and what is the price you have to pay when you don't do it, and um, I think this is the interesting. The, the answer to it is most of the times is. Meh not much <laughs> so then, then you're open for discussion yeah. if you want to do it or you don't want to do it this is a different discussion but i have to is always like this is given and this is the most misinterpretation we, we can observe when people say okay this is my reality help me to translate my reality into okrs and then we say yeah. this is not our job our job is to transform your reality by OKRs. By using OKRs, we want you to transform your reality to a better reality and not let your reality be a reality and, and, and frame it into your, uh, OKRs and help you to, to formulate glorious goals and, and try to achieve all of them at the same time because that's not the game. So you have to be aware that you want to change your reality and want to pick especially we want to do this, this and this, and maybe this, this and this, we cannot do because we don't have enough resources and we want to pay the price because it's a conscious decision for, for the, the goals on one side and against it on the other side. Interesting. Um, 
Last last question. So we um, we we spoke about these these times of crisis, right? And 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 uh, why some organizations then tend to decline, uh, tend to abandon OKR. Uh, and you mentioned it's yeah. because of all the fires that are all of a sudden happening, and um, these fires attract everybody's attention. Now, is is there anything that like employees can do? Like, how should they incorporate OKR into their daily or weekly work schedules to make sure that they remain focused and agile during these times of uncertainty. Yeah, giving the fact that the company is using OKRs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so on, on, a, on a personal level, I find it helpful to see it a little bit like a Kanban um, process when you say, okay, this is the, the list of my 15 key results, let's say. And in a, on a day-to-day -day or on a weekly basis, I cannot work on 15 different results at the same time. So I, I set a focus for every week and say, okay, this week I want to focus on this and this and this key result. So like, this is my topic for the week. And then I plan tasks for every day in the week. So this is my list for Monday. This is my list for Friday. Da, 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 da. And then I've, I try to achieve clear results within this one week based on let's say three different key results I, I picked for this week. And at the end of the week, I make a little reflection. We call it um, the four reflections. What is the, what is the main achievement in this week? Not what, what, what I tried to achieve. So what I had on the plus side of it, on the, there is a real achievement I can use. This is um, a real benefit I produced. What is the learning? Which problems do we face and what's the focus for the next week? And, and based on this process, you can really stay agile because you're, you're reallocating your focus every week based on the um, surroundings. But you are still focusing on your, let's say, 15 different key results that at the end of the quarter, you can present hopefully most of the results you wished. Okay. So do you, do you recommend them to pick out like maybe one or two key results per week and then really try to make a big dent there or how would this work in yeah, reality? It's Let's a little bit. I'm, I'm responsible for Yeah. Yeah. It, it, this is the question. Are you on a personal level or are you on a, a team level when you have let's say 10, 10 people yeah. in your team then then maybe the focus is a little bit broader when you when you have only your own resources to manage then you can say okay i want to focus on this this and this and i say two to three focused topics in in a week should be great and then you can um, yeah. draft like three to five major tasks per day it's totally enough knowing what's going on anyways. When you have five different hard tasks every day related to the, the top three, let's say, key result every week, then you're making progress in the right direction in our experience. Great. This was, uh, this was super helpful, Marco. So thanks again for sharing your thoughts with us. Um, and uh, yeah, it would be great to welcome you thanks. again to talk about something else on this podcast. Yeah, thank, thank you for the invitation. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in. Are you keen on learning more about strategy, goals, and growth? Then head over to our resources hub for a ton of insightful content at purdue.com forward slash resources. Mm -hmm.